I want you to look at Colossians 3.24 here this morning. Now, I, I must admit, I had mixed emotions. I've been wrestling with this. Uh, I, I've never wrestled so much about preaching the message. I remember last week, I think it was Brother uh, uh, Zimple said that there was two messages he was trying to figure out what to preach, and I've been wrestling with this for a couple of days now, but I'm settled on this one. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 24. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. And then verse, uh, that's 23, 24 now. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the, the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. The title of the message simply today is you serve the Lord Christ. We're to be serving the Lord. What a privilege to serve the God of heaven, to serve your creator, to be involved in the work of the ministry. And it is a privilege. God has allowed me to do so many things. Uh, I remember when Pastor and I talked, uh, we had him down, they did a family conference for us in 1998, I believe it was, and we talked about the college and uh, I had told his father I was interested if they started a college. I'd been working with interns for 10 years, and I had concerns uh, working with those young men, some things I was concerned about, and, and uh, I just felt that's where the Lord would want me to go. But I wanted to make sure. So Pastor and I talked. We prayed, and that was a transitional year for me because I almost got killed that year. I was praying that God would work in my heart, break any pride that was there, and show me what he wanted me to do. And he put me through a car wreck. And so I was laid up for a month, uh, the month of April, uh, the month of May. It happened around uh, Easter. I was laid up for a month. But as I look back at that month, I look back, back with fond memories. That was one of my closest times with the Lord. It's hard to talk about, but, and I get emotional because I had a very close relationship with him. During that time, someone said, well, pastor, you're out of the ministry. No, I'm not. I'm just laid up for a while to spend some time with the Lord. I remember distinctly one night, I couldn't sleep. I had three broken ribs. I had a partial collapsed lung. And I couldn't sleep on my side. I couldn't sleep with my wife for a month. I slept on my daughter's, her, her mother's day bed with my back up against pillows. I couldn't sleep on the right side. I couldn't sleep on my stomach. couldn't sleep on my back. I couldn't, I, well, no, I couldn't sleep on the left side. The only way I could sleep was on my right side with my back against pillows. I remember one night about 3 in the morning, I woke up, and I had my Bible, and it was laying over here on a chair behind me. I reached over to get that Bible, and I, I started to bring it to me, and it fell. It fell on my bed. It fell open to a verse where I had underlined in red, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Remember that verse? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and I will show you great and mighty things you know not. I had no idea what was coming. Uh, I'd totaled the church's car. Well, it was supposed to be the church's car, but it was for me to drive. I'd totaled it. And the first thing when the deacon arrived at the hospital, I said, Dale, I am really sorry. I said, we totaled the car. <laughs> Uh, that was the least of his worries. But you know, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I don't like hunting for a car. Let's just ask God to bring us a car. Think that's too hard? I was sitting in my office one day, and my wife walked in. She said, you want to come out in the parking lot? I think you need to look at this car. I said, what? She said, there's a car out here. It's for sale. I said, really? 
whose car is it? It was a lady who was coming down teaching piano lessons to some of our homeschoolers and children in the, in the church. So I walked out and I looked at that car. It looked like a brand new car. It was six years old. It looked like a brand new car. I said, well, what do you want for it? And she told me. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, you know, I'm interested. I called the deacons and talked to them about it and told them what it was. And they said, well, that, she told me the price. She said, uh, he, they said, well, that would be a good deal. So uh, I didn't think more about it, but later on I called back and I said, do you mind if I come and get the car and show it to the deacons on Wednesday night? This was Tuesday. Show it to them on Wednesday night. And she said, fine. She said, I stopped by and got it cleaned up good. And she said, uh, I stopped and got it uh, uh, evaluated again. I'm thinking, oh, boy. I uh, wonder what that means. She told me the price was $7,000. And I'm thinking, well, it's a good deal. She said, uh, but I'm going to sell that car to you for $4,000. I said, Linda, you're not going to make much. She said, I don't make anything off of this car. She said, all the money goes to the nursing home where my mother is at. She said, if they, if they will let me, I'll sell it to you for that price. I said, okay. Well, to make a long story short, we got that car with 18,000 miles on it for $4,000. Beautiful car. And it, it was a church's car. So we had the money out of the other car to, to buy it, as well as extra money to do anything that needed to be done on it. Not much had to be done. But anyway, long story short, we brought that car with us because when we left that church, the deacons came to me and said, Pastor, he said, they said, no. One of the deacons said, we're going to give you that car. I said, wait a minute, that's, that's your car. That's a church car. He said, no. You prayed that car in, and we're giving that car to you. I said, Wow, I'm glad I prayed that car in, amen? <laughs> so they gave me the car. And so, but anyway, before that, uh, I remember, I think the call came in July of 1999, sitting in the office working, and the phone rang, and it was Pastor Van. And he asked me about coming up here and uh, working with the college. And we'd agreed to pray about it. But he said, uh, the, the thing is, if you come, uh, would you be willing to be the principal of the academy? Well, that was a shocker. And I'm thinking, the pr- principal of the academy, working with the college. I don't know about this. I was being transparent and honest. <laughs> I said, principal of the academy? Hmm. So I prayed about it. And I came to the conclusion. I really felt, because we'd come up and met and met with the deacons, and I really felt that that's what God wanted us to do. But I was still wrestling about the academy. But I think the Holy Spirit just gave me peace. And I came to the conclusion, if God wants me to come there and work with the college, and the opportunity to serve as academy principal, uh, God must want me to do that. And I got peace about it. And I came as academy principal and uh, uh, dean of men in the college and assistant pastor and a few other things. But, you know, I enjoyed those years. God had us here for a reason. I thought I would pass away here. I thought I'd finish up here. God had other things in mind, but God had us here for a reason. And that was to serve alongside of Pastor Van Gelderen, which I value very highly. Uh, I said last year when I was here, I'm his senior in physical age, but he is my senior in spiritual age. And I valued that very much, and I thank God for bringing me here to work alongside of him. I had the same convictions, but it just helped to reinforce them as I worked with Pastor Van and watched him. And God was uh, grooming me to get back into the pastorate. I did not know that. 
it was three years before I started to get thinking and getting this urge to pastor again. I'm thinking I was done with that, but I wasn't done with it. And by the way, pastor had called me to be the pastor over the academy. So that's basically what I was doing, was pastoring the academy. We had people running the academy. Uh, sometimes I felt I was just there to watch, but uh, I wasn't. I was helping, I was working with parents, I was working with students, uh, both in the college and the academy. And I, I look back at those years that God was using those to fully or further prepare me to go back into the pastorate. And it was five and a half years before that became a reality, but a church opened up in Ohio and they called me. I didn't jump at that. I prayed about that for some time. And it was a year from the time they called me before I actually went there to pastor the church. But again, I looked at it as an opportunity. God wants me to serve in the pastorate again, then I'm willing to do it. But this time I'm not starting the church. I'm taking a church somebody else started. But uh, so I got experience in that area as well. But now having to step down for health reasons with the heart, uh, the Lord has directed me in a number of things, uh, pastoral supply and uh, pulpit supply and so forth, conferences and traveling, teaching. We were able to go back to Kenya a couple of years ago and teach again. And, uh, but then this door opened up. In, it first opened up in, in, um, in uh, Illinois uh, as an interim. Spent 11 months there. And then this church called me about six months later. And again, I don't jump at those opportunities. I, I try to weigh them out and pray about it. Lord, are you in this? So I've been pastoring for almost a year and a half. I'm supposed to be part-time. I thought I was part-time, but it's almost a full-time job, and the Lord has enabled me to do it. But you know, folks, I look at that as an opportunity to serve. Why are we here? Why are you here? What are you preparing to do? Well, we are created to serve. And when we got saved, we were created anew to serve God. Amen? Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which has, he has foreordained, foreordained beforehand that we should walk in them. He saved you to serve him. Amen? Now, I trust that's what you're here in college for. You're, you're, you're learning, you're growing, you're uh, getting down subjects you need to learn and get down and understand and, and prepare you for what's coming. We don't know what's coming politically. We don't know what's coming with our country. God does. We don't know what the future holds, but we sure know who holds the future. Amen? And we know that God has called us to serve no matter what's going on around us. We are here to serve God and to serve our Lord Jesus Christ, as this passage says. And we've not been uh, given a, a, a call to get out of it. Amen? We're here to do this. So we are created to serve. 1 Peter 4.10, God has gifted us to serve him. And if you look at that verse with me very quickly, chapter 4, verse 10 of 1 Peter, look what Peter says about this. He says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister, there's your word, serve the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. By the grace of God, you're saved. By the grace of God, He's gifted you. He's gifted every one of us. He's gifted every Christian, every born-again Christian. He's gifted us to do something, to serve in the local church, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege. The opportunities that God opens. 
When I first got saved, I guess I was naive. I thought when God opened the door, you, you took it. And so when opportunities came to serve, I wasn't looking for them necessarily all the time, but I was willing. I said to the Lord when I got saved later on, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Well, if you don't mean that, don't say it. But if you mean it, when he opens a door, don't be standing there looking at it. Do I go in or do I not go in? Just make sure it's God opening the door. And when God opens the door, get going and serve. And do it with all your might. Do it with all your heart. He said heartily. Put your heart into it, folks. We're not here to meander through life as a Christian. We're here to give ourselves to what God calls us to do. And sometimes I'm concerned with some uh, young people. Are you, do you mean it or don't you? Are you giving your life to Christ or are you not? But find out where he wants you and what he wants you doing and what your gifting is. And then give yourself to it. We're called to serve. We're gifted to serve. We've received those gifts. We have reason to serve him. We're here to serve him by serving others. But when we serve others and do for others, we're doing it unto him. I remember the text in, in Matthew 25 where he's there and the, and the judgment is going on. And he tells them what he's doing about what they have done, about uh, helping those who are poor and those who are naked, uh, clothing them and going and visiting them when they're in prison and doing all these things. And they said, but wait a minute, when did we do that for you? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Remember that. When you're serving people and ministering to people, it's the same as doing it for Christ. And that's what he's saying. So my friend, you always keep that in your mind. Uh, I had in mind to preach on chapter 3, where he talks about uh, you're risen with Christ, so seek those things that are above. And set your affection on things above. The idea of affection is give your mind to it. Be minded to, to do what God has called you to do, to serve him, young people. Look, someone said this, the opportunities we have to serve God today will never come again. You live a day at a time. You serve a day at a time. And God opens opportunities to do service for him. And we should be looking, and when it comes, Paul said this, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. That means buying up the opportunities. Look, young people, when God gives you an opportunity to serve, take it. Take it and do it. He's doing it for a reason. He's giving you opportunity. And uh, that's the way I look at this. And so even though I'm supposed to be retired, I'm not sure what that means. (laughs) I'm semi-retired. I said, I'm not retiring, I'm a retread. Some of you have no idea what that means, but anyway. uh, I'm just doing other things that I'm not pastoring full-time now. But I'm still pastoring and doing a lot of things that God has given me the opportunity to do. And folks, I'm thankful. I'm going to tell you something. I'm thankful to be alive right now. And in 2008, I should have died. Your pastor had the same problem I had. We have what was called the widow-maker Men get this and they just drop dead. It's a blockage in the heart. I had a 99% block. You can't get much more blockage than that other than 100%. (laughs) And I was having a heart attack. I didn't know what I was having. I thought I was having reflux. 
and I wasn't. I was having a heart attack. I said to the nurse in the, in the cath lab, I said, ma'am, she said, we're going to do a cath in your heart. I said, okay. She said, we want to make sure it's okay. I said, okay. I said, can I ask you a question? She said, what's that? I said, if my heart's okay, can you give me something for this acid? It's killing me. She said, sir, this is not your stomach. This is your heart. Oh, well, it was my heart. They got it fixed. I had a long time of recovery because I did have a heart attack. It wasn't just a blockage. I had the heart attack, so I had uh, several months of recovering, but God recovered me, and uh, I kept going, and I'm thankful for that. But then I've had some other stops along the way, but, you know, God is good. Isn't he good? I was talking to the church in Fairmont. I said, God is good, isn't he? I said, hey, God is good, isn't he? All the time. So every once in a while I say, God is good, isn't he? And they'll say, all the time. Let me tell you something, Christian. God is always good. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what the circumstances are or what the outcome could or might be. God always does what is good. And he always does what's best for you and me. And what brings glory unto him. Get that down. And thank him for the privilege. Amen. We don't know what we're facing and might have to go through. But whatever's coming, God is with us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And God will give grace whatever we have to face. We keep serving. We keep doing what God has called us to do. And we need to concentrate on service. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve two masters. Pastor mentioned this, I believe it was Sunday. Uh, money. You can't serve God and mammon. Money. You've got to make up your mind, who is your God? And who are you going to serve? Money is a means for something, for an end. It's not the end. It's the means to serve God and to do what God has called us to do and to help others along the way as well in serving the Lord and so on. But you can't serve both. You have to have an undivided service. You can't straddle the fence. You give yourself to one or the other. So which one is your God? And we know the answer to that, amen? It's our Savior, it's our God. And we're to give ourselves to Him. We're to be focused on serving Him. And the ultimate is for His glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it how or for what reason? To the glory of God. You see, folks, it's not about us. It's about Him. That's what this life is all about. And that's what Paul meant. He said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. But why am I here? And what am I here for? It's for Him. And for Him alone. From Him, through Him, and to Him. Amen? Amen. That's what this life is about. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And giving ourselves to serve Him. What a privilege. What an opportunity to do something that only doesn't only amount to something in this life, but eternity, the eternal things. You know, I'm reminded of somebody in the Bible that doesn't get a lot of attention. But my, what a focused service she had. She'd been married seven years. 
she lost her husband. They married young back then, probably uh, an older teenager, perhaps, uh, 14, 15, maybe 16. I'm not exactly sure. The Bible doesn't tell us how old she was when she got married. But she was married seven years, and she lost her husband. She did not remarry, but she gave her life to serving God. Eighty-four years she served God in that temple, day and night. She never left. She gave her life to the Lord. And God gave her the promise that she would see the Messiah. And she did. That was Anna. This woman, by the time the Savior was born, was over 100 years old. But she gave her life to serving her God with all her heart and with all her life. 84 years she gave to him. And then she saw the Savior. She was ready to go. How long are you willing to serve? How long are you willing to give your life for? They talk about retirement. Look, there's no retirement from the ministry. Refocus, but not retire. I, I don't understand some pastors who literally retire, and they usually go to Greenville, South Carolina, of all places, and sit down in a church to relax, I guess. When there's all kinds of churches around our country, listen to me, young people, that need pastors. And I'm looking for one. I don't think the Lord wants me standing there as the pastor. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I love it. I'm enjoying it. But I don't feel that the Lord's called me there to be their pastor. I said I'm a lame duck. You know, I'm not a young man. I know I look young. Thank you. <laughs> I know my hair is slow to turn gray like your pastor's, but it is starting to turn. <laughs> Mine is starting to turn, but they say, you don't look your age. And I just say, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't feel my age. No, I take that back. <laughs> I don't think my age. There are short times I feel it, but I don't think it. I think as I'm a young man, but I've found out I can't do some of the things I used to do as a young man. I've tried, and boy, have I paid for it. But you have, to, you have to remember your age and you have to remember what you can and can't do as you get older. But we need to be focused on serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Singleness of mind. We need to characterize our service. What does the Bible say? What, is, what does our service look like? I mean, how we're doing it and what we should be doing. What does it look like? Well, let me give you four scriptures here. You might want to write these down. What should your service for Christ look like? Well, number one. Hebrews 12, 28. He says in that verse, Let us have grace whereby we serve acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Know who you're serving. It's the God of heaven. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, your creator, your master, your Lord. Serve him with reverence and godly fear. Number two. Serve him heartily, as we saw in our text, verse 23. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Put your heart into it. Put yourself into this. Diligence. And do it with all your might, as Solomon said back in Ecclesiastes. Number three, Romans 12, 11. Serve the Lord, but don't be slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Get some fire in you. Amen? Who was it said? I 
forget who said this, but he said, you know, I think it was Spurgeon maybe said, if the, if the preacher gets on fire, people will come to watch him burn. Amen? Mean what you're doing. Get into what you're doing. Do it with your heart. Do it fervently. Folks, we're not here to meander through life. We're not here to relax and enjoy life all the time. There are times to do that. But number four, Romans 12, 8, we're to serve in simplicity, with diligence, and cheerfulness. It's a happy thing. It's a glorious thing to serve God. It ought to be showing on us. Amen? I remember, I don't know if your pastor knew Tom Bell, Pastor Tom Bell. Uh, he's from West Virginia. He was in the Navy, he, and he taught school and so forth. But that man, whenever you would see him, would light up like a Christmas tree, his face. He was always happy. He was in his 90s. My wife and I went to see him. She sat under him for a number of years as a teacher. He both pastored and taught. And uh, we walked into his living room, and there he sat in a wheelchair, and his face just lit up. <laughs> he loved the Lord. He loved living for the Lord. He loved serving the Lord. Cheerfully. Amen. Some people, you'll wonder how much they're enjoying what they're doing. If their face tells the story, it doesn't look too good. But you know, it ought to come through on our countenance. Amen. I don't know about you. I enjoy what I'm doing. <laughs> I enjoy this. I, I'm cheerful about it. I love it. I don't feel worthy. And I never thought I'd do this. I'm from the hollers in West Virginia. You say, why do you call them hollers? I'm not sure unless you had to holler at people. You didn't live close to them. But I was as backward as a leaf in a windstorm. If you don't know what that means, I can tell you later. If you've ever seen a storm coming through and look at the leaves on trees. Well, I was backward, you know. And I did not want to get up in front of people. I, I just, I didn't want to. I was afraid to. But as I went to school, I was forced to in high school. And then in college, I had to take, I was required to take a speech course. Well, I wanted to pass the course. So I did what I didn't want to do. I didn't like to do and didn't feel I could do. But I did it. And then I remember the first time my pastor, the first church I was in, said, Bob, he said, uh, I'd surrender to the ministry. He says, I, I want you to preach on Sunday night. And I'm thinking, preach on Sunday night? Me? Get up in front of the church and preach? I said, yes, sir. Uh, okay, I'll do it. Scared to death. I tell you, I still have butterflies at times when I get in front of people. I mean, if you were up here looking at all these people, sometimes it's like, whoa. But you know, I get over as soon as I get in the pulpit. <laughs> The Lord gives me the grace to do it. But he said, I want you to preach. So I worked hard on this sermon. And I'm here to tell you, I preached more than 10 minutes. I hear these guys saying, man, I had 10 minutes and I was done. I wasn't. It took me 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I worked on that sermon and I got up and I preached by the grace of God. By God's enabling. And I don't get up without saying, Lord, please help me, enable me to do this. Amen. I'm not able to do this, but I can through Christ. He enables you. But your service should look like this. And we are to be committed to serving. Joshua looked out over that nation of Israel. 
Those people, how would you like to lead those people? How would you like to have been in Moses' shoes and inherit this? And Joshua looked at those people. He said, look, people, you need to make up your mind. Are you going to serve God or are you not? Choose you this day. You know, sometimes I almost feel like getting in the pulpit and looking at people and say, are you going to serve God or are you not? He didn't serve you to, or save you to sit. He saved you to serve. So get off the pew and get busy. Do something for God. Listen, folks, the day's going to come they'll wish they had of. There's a judgment seat coming. Not for sin, but for service. And we're going to have to stand there and give an account. And I'll tell you, you wonder what are people in churches thinking? Because they attend, and sometimes they're faithful, and they give. But they're doing basically very little, if anything, for Christ. And I've told them, I said, look, folks, all of you have a gift. So what is your gift? And where are you supposed to be serving? There are certain things you, everybody's to be doing. We're supposed to be witnessing, winning people to Christ, discipling them. That's not just the pastor, the deacons, and the, and the teacher's responsibility. That's Christian's responsibility. Amen? You want them to Christ? That's, a, that's your baby. So get busy and take care of it and disciple them. Bring them along and nurture them until they grow up and get a foundation, a spiritual foundation, and they go on to serve the Lord. And you do it again, and you teach them to do that. But we need to give ourselves to it and be committed to this. Why? Because we belong to Christ. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which you have of God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You belong to Him. And you're to be serving Him and living for Him and allowing and letting Him live through you. Christ in you, Colossians 2, 26. The hope of glory. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to use all of us. He wants to work through all of us. But you've got to be a cooperative believer and surrender your life to him and submit to him daily. Yield those members as instruments of righteousness unto God, as servants of righteousness unto holiness. Like you used to yield them to sin. Now yield them to him and serve him with those on a daily basis, young people. When you get up of a morning, surrender, yield and receive the filling of the Holy Spirit and go out and serve God. Wherever you're at, you're there to serve God. You're there to serve Christ. And do you know what the glorious thing about it is? We're never going to quit serving Him. Did you know that? We're not going to ever quit serving Him. We're serving Him down here now. We're going to serve Him in the millennium. We're going to serve Him in the New Jerusalem. We're going to serve Him for eternity, day and night. Glorious thing, glorious privilege. Amen? Get used to serving because you're going to be serving the Lord from now on. What a privilege that He allows us to do this and He calls us to do this. And you are called to serve. Let me ask you a question Are you committed to it? Are you sold out to it? Are you going to give yourselves to it? Are you going to put your heart into it? And do it like you mean it. 
And not just do it to mean it. Do it because he loves you. And he has saved you. And he's worthy. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable what? Service. It's the most reasonable thing to do. Look what he's done for you. So the question is, what are you going to do for him? What are you doing right now? You say, I don't know what God was calling me to do in my life. What's he called you to do right now? Listen, friend, the test is what you're doing with the small things. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? What are you doing with the will of God right now? Are you doing what you know you ought to be doing as a Christian and serving him now? There's Christians out there wondering, what does God want me to do with my life? I want to ask them, what are you doing with your life right now? Are you doing what you know you ought to be doing? And the problem is, no. So what do you think God's going to give you the big thing to do? When you're not even surrendered and willing to do what the small things are? And they're not small necessarily. But they want to know what the will of God is. Well, you get busy doing what you know you ought to be doing right now. And young people, give yourself to it. We don't know how much time we have left. Do we? It may be sooner than we think. And I'm telling you folks, what we're going to do for Christ, we better get busy and do it while we have time. Because you wish you had it if you don't. And I wish we could get a hold of people's hearts, but God has to do that. The Holy Spirit has to revive. We need revival. God's people need to be revived and get busy because the Lord is coming and maybe soon. Father, help us today just to renew that commitment to you and to be focused on doing what you called us and created us to do, what you saved us to do, and Lord, forgive us where we've not done it with all our heart. We've not been diligent, but more dilatory, rather. God, help us to be focused, especially in the days in which we're living, not certain what this future holds, but we know what the end is going to be. And we're called to serve until that day comes, either death or the Lord Jesus comes back to get us. So Lord, help us to be faithful, for that word will come up at the judgment seat. Have you been faithful? And all oh, to hear from the lips of the Savior, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'm going to give you rule over, or make you rule over many. May we hear that from the lips of our Savior. We've been faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.